Thank you, my friend. What a, what a wonderful, what a wonderful morning. What a wonderful time of worship. Musicians, don't go too far, because we're going to worship again. I'm going to speak in two parts. Not, I'm not going to be very long. I know it's quite warm in here. Although I've been given three chapters to preach on this morning, Romans nine, ten, and eleven. I'm going to be brief. Is that okay? And I want us to be participating, and I want you to be participating. But what, a beautiful, what beautiful songs we've been singing. Thank you so much, musicians, singers. We, we appreciate them so much, don't we, the way they bless us and lead us. Should we give them a little? Yeah, yeah, lovely, wonderful. You, you serve us well in bringing us into the presence of the Lord. And we've sung some lovely words. Some beautiful, there's no one, there's no one like Jesus. I haven't sung that for a while. Wonderful. And then we sung that other word. I'm not going to try and sing it. I'm alive in Jesus' name. And what's the next line? I can't remember. What's the next? Now I'm alive in Oh, I said I wouldn't sing it, didn't I? I'm alive in Jesus. What is it? It's be- it really went in, didn't it? <laughs> Wonderful words. Beautiful words. And that's, oh, they're up. Look at that. I know it's not because of me. Jesus, your light has opened my eyes. I'm free. This is the grace of God, the kindness of God. Oh, I hope that you have experienced that. It's a wonderful thing to know the Lord Jesus. And uh, that's really what I want to speak about. Um, we're, my subject this morning, my theme, I've put, given it the title, the, I, could, I could make my title, uh, The Challenge of Jews and Gentiles and how it all works out and what God's doing and, and how his plan works. Or it could be The Overflow of Grace. And that's the title that I want to use this morning, Grace Overflowing, The Overflow of of grace, and I'm going into chapter nine. But I'm going to. Last week, Toby was in in, in chapter eight, and uh, Jenny this morning brought us that lovely verse earlier on. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This wonderful Romans chapter eight. This wonderful hilltop uh, um, experience, the declaration of truth on the hill. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And now I'm going to read from chapter nine, but I'm going to read the last verse of chapter 8, just to remind us and to take us into the next chapter. So uh, although they won't be up there, that will start with chapter 9. I'm going to start in chapter 8 and verse 38. So here we go. They climb this wonderful expression of what it means to know Jesus. I am convinced. Well, there's assurance for you, isn't there? I'm convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Hey, that's what happens when you know 
the wonder of knowing Jesus. It burdens you when people you know don't know him. Oh, it should. And so here's, the, here's he's just finished this expression of the wonder of knowing Jesus. Ben kind of expanded on that just now. I've got great sorrow, unceasing anguish. I wish that I myself were cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. There's the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, Mount Sinai and so on, the presence of God, the temple worship and the promises. There's other patriarchs and from them is traced every human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It's not as though God's word has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor, because they are his descendants, are they Abraham's children. On the contrary, quote, it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. In other words... It's not the children of physical descent who are God's children, but it's the children of promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was was stated, quote, at the appointed time I will return, Sarah will have a son, not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. And yet before the twins were born or had done anything, good or bad, In order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, that the older will serve the younger. That's back to front. Just as it's written, Jacob I love, Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. Because he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It doesn't therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. It really is. May I never lose the wonder. It's on the bookstall, that book. Dangerous Wonder. I think there's only one copy. You'll have to run. I'm not allowed to discount anymore. Dangerous wonder, never, never lose the wonder. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, to enjoy the love of God, to understand the grace of God that is ours in Christ. We've been singing about that, and I really hope that you know about and enjoy personally the grace of God. It's not about works and how hard you can try you can climb a wall, tick the boxes. It's the grace of God. Ransomed, healed, restored. What is, you know, what hymn is that? I don't know. Great is thy faith. What is it? What's that? Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like we his praise should sing? Beautiful, isn't it? I hope you've heard and received the message of grace. But if you have, if that's your experience, if you've enjoyed these songs this morning, you can't but help want others to know him too. 
when you look around the world and see such brokenness, such hopelessness, such pain, people, I mean, what future is there? It, it, we're living in a really, really difficult days, challenging days. And, and, it, and you know, if we've really understood the grace and kindness of God, it ought to, it ought to move us looking around, especially when those people are perhaps our own family. That's what Paul's doing here. He's burdened for his people. He's burdened for, for those he, he grew up with. He's burdened for those he studied with. He, he's burdened for those that he, he used to spend all his time with because they're not in the same position as him. And he's burdened for them. In a minute, in a while, I'm gonna, we're going to pray. I'm going to get a, a couple of people to come and lead us in prayer for people who don't know the Lord. Now, don't worry. Please don't look the other way. Try not to catch my eye in case I pick on you. Or don't leave. I've already primed a couple of people. Okay, they're going to come and, and lead us. We're going to pray for those people who we care about, who who are on our heart, who need the kindness and grace of God in their lives. Are you up for that? We'll pray. We're going to pray for that. So it, you see. It, this, is, this should be our response. If you've really understood the grace of God, like Paul, it should lead you to say, I am deeply troubled. What's the word he used here? Uh, I've great sorrow. I've got anguish of heart. I guess there's probably quite a lot here this morning. You've got anguish of heart for people who don't know the Lord. Family, friends, close ones. I hope, I hope you have. Otherwise, you've probably got your eyes, well, certainly your heart, closed. Okay? So... Knowing Jesus is a wonderful thing. Now, listen, look at what Paul says in verse 3. This, this is just, wow. I mean, goodness. Um, I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ. Cut off from Christ. Ooh, that really is a, that's a big thing to say. Because Paul, all the time, he's talking about being in Christ. That's his wonderful uh, saying that he uses again and again, being in Christ. That, this, this, that, that's, what it, that's how we come into the grace and the kindness of God. It's being in Christ, connected to him, his life in us, being in Christ. You see, he knows that the essence of being a Christian is being in Christ, knowing Christ. This relationship with Jesus, it's like, uh, it's like a diver's oxygen line. Everything comes through this relationship with Jesus. And you cut that line, you cut the oxygen line, and you're in trouble. And so it is for us as Christians, everything we need, our forgiveness, our peace, our joy, our security, it comes through this living, lively connection with Jesus. He's our oxygen line. I'm thinking as well of a, changing the, the picture. Instead of divers, I'm th- it was a movie, isn't there, about being out in space and, you know, oh, goodness, you don't want to lose that line, do you? Or you're floating off into nowhere. Well, friends, that's what it, it's like if you're not a Christian in our culture. You're floating off into nowhere. And so Paul is, he, he said, I'm happy to be cut off from Christ. That's, his very, that's where everything comes from. And I would just say to you this morning, if your Christian life is dull, 
It's probably because you've lost sight of who you, you belong to, whose you are. That living, Jesus, you are my right. You lose your sense of, uh, if, if you forget that, you, you get condemned. Oh, I'm rubbish, I'm no good. No, 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 Jesus, you are my righteousness. Oh, I, I feel hopeless. What on earth the future got for me? Jesus, you rose from the dead, and so will I, because I'm joined to you. Do you see? Do you get the idea? Being cut off from Christ. Oh, You see, what he's saying here is that you can have all the human privileges possible, but they won't, they won't be enough. They won't connect you to Jesus. And so in his case, it's Jewish friends and family. There's the adoption to sonship, the divine glory, the, think, the, you know, the, the pillar of cloud, the Mount Sinai, the covenants, receiving of the law, the temple, all these things. Now, in our, in our cult culture, you, you, you could probably put it, what would those privileges look like? Brought up in a Christian home. Being taught from a young age all the, the truth about the Bible. Went to Sunday school. Being a really nice person. It, those would be the equivalents. Great privilege. And Paul is saying... All these apparent privileges count for nothing. You need the oxygen line. And so maybe you, I hope you're not relying on, well, mum and dad, they were Christians. I'm a pretty good, yeah, I think I'm in, I'm okay. Brought up in a Christian home. Not enough. You need the oxygen line of Jesus Christ, the promised one. You need something more. You see, Paul had all... Could the musicians come up? We're going to see them. Paul had all these privileges. He, the privileges of upbringing, a good mind, he'd worked it all out, very good sort of righteous person, a, you know, God will be, I'll be okay. But he needed a miracle. And so do you. And the miracle that he needed was an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had, it, he had everything else. He, had it all. he was a godly person. He ticked all the boxes. But he still needed a miracle. Do you remember Nicodemus? He was a Pharisee as well, very religious, good man. Jesus said to him, you've got to be born again. You need something more than rules and being a good person. You need a miracle. And so there's, there's Saul on the road to Damascus. Whoa, he's just stopped in his tracks. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And his life is changed. And it's the same for you and me. <laughs> we need a miracle, an encounter with Jesus. Yeah? Why, why is it like this? It would be much simpler if it were just ticking boxes, because then, oh yeah, I've ticked all the boxes, I'm in. Why is it like this? Well, Paul explains in verse 15, he says this, God said, 
I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. And this, did you spot the word mercy all the way through? It comes up here in this passage about 10 times. I've highlighted them all in my Bible. Mercy, 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 mercy. I looked it up to give someone else's definition of mercy. To be greatly concerned about someone in need. To show kindness or concern for someone in serious need. That's what mercy is. And that's what the Lord has done for you. And we're going to sing a song about the mercy of God. And then I'm going to invite um, a couple of folks to come and pray. Um, Oh, I can see Hetty. Yeah, I'm going to write Hetty. Okay, all good. And Jerome, I've seen Jerome. And they're going to lead us in praying for people to know the mercy and kindness of God. Is that okay? You can sit, stand, whatever you like. We're going to sing this wonderful song. Is that okay, musicians? Over to you. Let's stand.
stay, do stay standing. Musicians, stay here. Would you like to come up? Dear, uh, dear friends, would you like to, we're going to pray. These, uh, Hetty and Jerome are going to lead us, and I, I hope that what I've said so far has stirred your heart. Can I have a microphone there? And, and they're going to lead us in praying. And you be thinking of folks God's laying on your heart this morning. And, and we'll all join in and we'll be saying our amen. We're thinking of the mercy of God. Then we'll sing that refrain another time. Hetty, would you like to start? Let's, let's pray together. Oh, we're going to follow your lead. Lead us, dear Hetty. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we are at your mercy seat this morning because that is where you found us. Yes. yes. And this morning we are there with our desires. Lord, bringing our families and friends who yes. do not know you before yes. the same mercy seat. Lord. Lord, that you open their eyes to see yes. who you are. Please. Their ears to hear your word Please. that penetrates deep into the soul Please. and spirit. Please. Because your word is living and active. Please. And we pray that doors of your heart oh, will be open because you are knocking, mm. Lord, so they would receive you. Yes. And those on the fringes, Holy Spirit, we know time is not for man. Time belongs to you. Yes. So if anybody is thinking that, Lord, they have time to make decisions about oh, their salvation, Lord, oh. Lord, we pray that this is the time. Mm. Holy Spirit, knock on their door and open their hearts to receive mm. you. And those mm. of us who are already in you, Lord, our prayer is that you ground us deeper into you. Yes. The Apostle Paul said that we work on our salvation with fear and trembling yes. because at the end, anybody who finishes the race would mm. have a reward that is to share in your glory. Mm. Father, our prayer is that this morning, each and every one of us here, Lord, you would see us through the mercy seat mm. and Lord, touch our hearts, yes. renew our minds, yes. renew our spirit. Renew our heart. Mm -hmm. Now set us on fire yes. for you, Holy Spirit, yes. Yes. so that we don't become dull, mm. so that we, we go out and declare your name yes. and bear the fruits that you have called us to be, mm. to show forth your excellence, mm. to show forth your grace, to show forth your virtues. Yes. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Hetty. I just want to encourage your faith uh, through an experience I've had with salvation in my own family. Many years ago, uh, in a church meeting like this, uh, godly men and women prayed for Mary and myself when we were visiting India. And Goff mentioned the miraculous power of God. That's where it is at. And, and, uh, and miraculous power of God was prayed over us. And in one month, 15 members of my family gave their lives to the Lord. Oh. 15 members all and, and surrounding uh, relatives and and for in a month we were exhausted because it was like a, a, a life group every day because they were so hungry we lost our voices talking to them about the Lord One. so I just want to encourage your faith but then the others of you who've been praying for years and years waiting in my in fact my wife Mary's family been praying for 30 years mm. so I could understand many of you are discouraged uh, and wondering what's happening, waiting and waiting. Mm. But it is, if you look at 1 Peter 3, it says, you know, God is not slow in answering up his promises. Mm. Mm. And, and, and in the same verse, it says, he doesn't want anyone to perish. You know, mm. so we all are in God's will, 
praying for salvation mm. of our loved ones, our friends. We are right in the center of God's will. But what is necessary is faith. We really need to believe in faith because many of us hope, pray and hope and believe God is, you know, hoping that it will happen. But no, I think today we're going to pray. You know, the word of God in Mark 11, uh, 24 says, when you pray, you believe that you've received the answer and then you will have it. Mm. So when I'm going to pray now, you're going to bring all the people whom you have been praying over the years, bring them by name, and we will pray. And at the end of it, we will receive that prayer, and then you wait. God's timing is perfect. Mm. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. I just come, Lord God. Lord, with this congregation of people, our people, this church, our body, and we come in the name of Jesus. Yeah. We come on the basis of scripture. Your word says, have faith in God. Mm. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. If you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the hill or mountain, be removed. And Lord, we say to the mountain of unbelief and fear, anxiety, discouragement, disappointment that's gone on amongst us over the years. Lord, waiting for our loved ones to be restored to you. We just say to the mountain in our own hearts, mountain of unbelief, be removed. And the mountain of unbelief in, in the, among the people whom we are praying for, the mountain of unbelief be removed from their hearts. And we declare, Lord God, your word says, and then say, Lord, we declare salvation. We declare the Holy Spirit upon their lives. We declare the blood of Jesus on their lives. And we declare that every member, that every person we have prayed for, over the years, will bend the knee to Jesus Christ. Yes. And Lord, we receive this prayer, and we thank you, and we rejoice in the fact that you are a God who answers prayer, and mm. you are the miracle-working God. Mm. You are the yes. God who makes the way there's no way. Yes. And we thank you, Father, in advance, and we expect, Lord God, to see the fruit of this prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Hetty. Thank you, Jerome. Should we sing that refrain? Let me never lose a wonder, then I shall speak briefly, I promise you.
And Lord, we pray your mercy, your mercy, your loving kindness, your grace. We pray, we pray your mercy over these dear ones we've been thinking of, who've been in our hearts and minds as we've prayed. Oh Lord, your, your mercy, your pursuing love, your kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do take your seats and uh, yes, we'll be back in a moment. I'll be... So... These, the next few chapters here or the, that I've already been reading, it says a lot about the Jews. It says a lot about the people of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament. So did that plan fail? That's the obvious question that, 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 that Paul asked. Did it fail? Did God's original plan, was it his plan A with Israel? Did it fail? And his church plan B, is that, is that what it is? He goes through, he says here in uh, chapter 4, theirs was the adoption to sonship. But Jesus is the son. He's the fulfillment. Do you see that? There's the divine glory. Think Mount of Transfiguration. Glory. It's Jesus. He's the climax. He's the focus. The covenants. Jesus is the climax of the covenants, all the, all the promises. He's the promised one. That's what Messiah means. There's the receiving of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He fulfilled every part perfectly for us. Here's the temple worship. Well, he's the, he's the perfect priest. He, and, and the sacrifice. He's the ultimate sacrifice who, who died for us. Think, think Exodus, the lamb that was slain to, so the people could be set free. Jesus is the fulfillment. So all these, all these amazing advantages were all pointing to Jesus. Do you see that? Theirs were the promises. Jesus is the promised one. The Old Testament, doesn't, it doesn't show that God's plan failed. It shows that God's plan has been fulfilled totally fulfilled in a way that all those signs could never in themselves be fulfilled. So did God's plan fail because of the unbelief of the Jews? No. Knowing God was never about human descent, background, family. It's about God's gracious choice. And Paul goes on to point out that even, uh, even in the Old Testament, you think of Abraham, and he, uh, he had the two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. It was Isaac who was chosen, who, who, who knew the mercy of God, the calling of God. And then Isaac's sons, Esau and Jacob, twins. Esau born first, then Jacob, you know the story. It was Jacob who was chosen. So there's this strange thing going on in the Old Testament, God kind of choosing and, and individuals just finding themselves as God's chosen ones. It's, going, it's all the way through the Old Testament. It, repeatedly, the, it's like God's pursuing love. And so the whole story of the Old Testament, for the people of God as a nation, Israel as a nation, it's a story of the pursuing love of God, even in the face of unfaithfulness. 
when they turn their backs on the Lord, drifted away, the pursuing love persisted towards them. Okay? And the inclusion, what the point Paul's making is that us being included, the grace of God going out now to all the nations, the promise to Abraham, all the nations of the earth, this pursuing love of God, this overflow of grace to Gentiles like us, will actually be for the provoking of the Jews, as God does something special amongst them. Let's look at Romans. I'm going to read a few verses from Romans 11 here. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters. Don't be, so you won't be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. I perhaps should have read verse 11 of chapter 11. Let me just look at that first because it's a lovely verse there. It says this. Um, no, go on, sorry, I'm just, keep going. Shouldn't follow those strange thoughts. Okay, until a full number of the Gentiles has come in. And this way, all Israel, spiritual Israel, Jew and Gentile, will be saved. As it's written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they're enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned... They're loved on behalf of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you were once at one time disobedient to God and have now received mercy, there's that word again, as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you, they will discover it's not about works and ticking boxes, it's undeserved grace. For God has bound, over, bound everyone over to disobedience so he may have mercy on them. Oh, the depths, the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgment, his path beyond tracing out, who's known the mind of the, mind of the Lord, who's been his counsellor, who's ever given to God that God should repay them. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Okay, I'm trying to explain a bit of that. So the story of the Bible is not about people searching for God and some of them perhaps luckily enough finding him, but about God searching for people, his choosing, his calling, his election. There's a controversial word, election. This is the story of the Bible. It always was the, the kindness of God, the grace of God. Election, this, 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 these verses can can tie you up in knots and, uh, and make you cross. Well, it's not fair, or it can make you confused. I don't understand it. Or like Paul, it can make you worship. He doesn't get to the end of the chapter and say, oh my goodness, that was a bit tough, wasn't it? Glad we're through that. He gets to the end, he said, oh, what's that lovely doxology there? He says, oh, the depths, the riches, of, oh God, I, 
God, I don't understand, but you're amazing. Your grace, your, your undeserved favour, I don't get it. I don't understand this thing about election. You choose, you call. How does it all work? I don't know. But it makes me worship. It makes me worship. And I hope it does you too. Let's look at election. What is this? It's an act of God. Before you were even born, he chose you not because of any merit that he saw in you or your life, but purely because of his sovereign good pleasure. He chose you and me. He doesn't choose us because he knows we're going to believe. He, he chooses you so that you can believe. Talk to your life group leader about that one, okay? <laughs> Folks, I don't get it. I don't. I don't. But this is what the Bible teaches us. But, you say, surely, when we become Christians, it's a decision of our will, isn't it? Yes, it is. Let's have a look in chapter 10 and verse 9. It says there, if you declare, this is Romans, still in the middle of this section, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There you go. It's with your heart you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth you, mouth you profess your faith and you're saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There's no difference, Jew, Gentile, the same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There you go. Yes, it involves my choice. It involves me making a decision. It, it involves me... Well, I just read it, didn't I? Declaring Jesus, you are Lord of my life. Believe in your heart, God raised him, that Jesus, I believe you died for me and you rose again and you're alive. I'm not going to spend too long on this, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So there it is. When we decide to become a Christian, it's a decision of our will, and you can do that this morning. You can give your life to the Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, I'm, 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 I just feel you speaking to me this morning. Oh, yes, please, your loving kindness. Oh, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. I don't understand it all, but I bow the knee. And we can truthfully sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. We can. It's a choice of uh, will. But there's a backstory to you and I becoming a Christian. There's a backstory, and it's very exciting. And that's what Paul wants us to know. And we heard about Isaac's sons and so on, and this word election. And here we are, I'm coming into land. Romans 9:23. Listen to this. Try and get your head around this. What if? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known 
to the objects of his mercy. What if God did it this way? Not by works, not by how good, how you can impress. What if God did it this, this way, just sovereignly, sovereignly choosing, setting his love upon me? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to you? Think about it. What if that... What if he did? What if he did that? What if? I love the way. I love that phrase. What if? Oh, what a wonderful thing! Think about it. What if? Instead of getting into controversy and confusion, and it's not fair, and I don't understand. What if he did all this to make the riches of his glory known to objects of his mercy? What if you did this for me, Lord? What if you did this to show the riches of your glory and your kindness to me? Objects of his mercy who he prepared in advance for his glory. He wanted you to be his. He wanted you to know his presence in your life. In fact, more than that, he wanted you to be one with him, to know him, to enjoy him forever, face to face one day. What if that's what the grace of God is all about? What if that's what election is all about? What if that's what predestination is all about? Don't get lost in the confusion. Don't get lost in the, uh, 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 don't understand it. His ways are higher than our ways. They are If it's two human beings trying to make a decision, one has to decide and and that fixes it. But there's God in the mix here and he's the God of the universe and he's been involved in your coming to him since before creation. What if he did that? What if? To make the riches of his glory known to you. Would the musicians come up? You see, do I understand all God's purposes? No, I don't. Do I understand election? Not really. Do I understand why, do I understand the pursuing love of God? Why he chose me? No, not really. Why he chose you? (laughs) Of course I do, you lovely people. Do, Do I... Do I understand why God, do I understand elect? No, no, I don't. It can either make me mad, confused, or it can make me worship. It's the pursuing love of God. And this this love of God poured out to the Gentiles, this abounding grace, it's going to actually lead to a wonderful thing among the Jews. That's what this passage is saying. By faith, by grace. It's Father's Day today, and in a moment, I'm going to ask Jenny to minister a song to you about the Father heart of God. But first, I want to read a few words from this little book, The Return of the Prodigal, kind of appropriate on Father's Day. You might be a prodigal, I don't know, or maybe you've never known the Father's love for you. I'm going to read this to you, then... Jenny's going to minister this song to us. For most of my life, I have struggled to find God. 
to know God, to love God. I tried hard to follow the guidelines of the spiritual life, to pray always, to work for others, to read the scriptures, to avoid many temptations. And I failed many times. I failed to realize that during all this time, God's been trying to find me, to know me, and to love me. The question is not how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by him? The question is not how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by God? And finally, the question is not how am I to love God, but how am I to let myself be loved by God? God is looking into the distance for me, trying to find me and longing to bring me home. And I'm beginning to realize now how radically the character of my spiritual journey changes when I no longer think of God as hiding out and making it as difficult as possible for me to find him. But instead, he's the one who's looking for me while I'm doing the hiding. Let the Father find you today. If you're a prodigal, if you've drifted away, let the Father find you. Maybe for the first time, the love of the Father. Now we're going to, I'm going to ask Jenny to minister this song. I I finished, I finished. But you haven't. You might now need to say, oh, Father, yes, please. Let the Lord, Lord, come by your spirit, minister to us in these moments as we come to a close in a moment. In Jesus' name. Jenny, over to you.